0: The song and the expression, Praise the Lord and Pass the Ammunition, being given by a chaplain. And uh, originally they thought the chaplain was a gunner on the planes, but it turned out it was a chaplain on one of the boats. And so if you haven't heard the first part of the message, please go ahead and listen to it. It'll bring you up to date to where we are. Um, Before I go into the rest of the song, and I don't know if they'll get the words up there for the song as we go through, but But um, I was going through and I wanted to have a little bit of fun with the song and I used each line to bring a piece of the message. But before I get into the next line of the song, I wanted to share something with you that the Holy Spirit showed me. Um, while I was studying and um, as you may have heard I was starting to go off into different directions when I put the word together and I'd go through a line and God would show me something and I shared with you at the last time that I had gone down the road of a hundred prophetic words that had been fulfilled by Jesus and uh, I felt that that was one rabbit hole that I took off and I kind of brought myself back to the message and another one as I was going through the message was I started to study the names of God and how that applied to the word of God and so I had to come back to the song again and then I took took off down the path of uh, meditating on the word of God and so as I'm going off on these what I call rabbit holes, um, I said to the Holy Spirit, I'm so sorry, I know I'm supposed to be focusing on this word but I keep going off in these other directions and I call them uh, rabbit holes and the Holy Spirit said to me, these are not rabbit holes I am taking you down this path for a reason, and he talks to me in images and pictures, and I love that. I'm a visual person, and he showed me a tree, and he showed me the root bed of a tree, and so I went online, and I started to look up a tree and what that meant. And uh, in this tree, I saw these roots, and I read that most tree roots grow about 18 to 28 feet long, and the tree usually grows as tall as the root bed, uh, bed spreads, and they have found, actually, roots are as long as 175 feet, but the average is up to about 28, and uh, I thought, well, you know, what does that mean to me, you know, kind of thing, you know, clarify for me, Holy Spirit, and he said... Denise, when you go down deep into the Word, you're putting your roots deep into the soil because they're digging for that water. The tree roots dig for water. They're searching it out. When you're in the Word of God, you're searching out that living water. And as you're searching out the living water, you're growing. And so I looked up a little bit more about the tree, and I want to share what I found with you. Tree roots serve several purposes. Not only do they anchor the tree and draw in nutrients and water from the soil, but tree roots also help stabilize the soil and prevent erosion. Think about the word of God, and it says that um, the sower, the parable of the sower, that it has to go into good soil. The word of God has to go into good soil. If you're digging into the word of God and your roots are growing deep and it's enriching the soil as you grow deep, the soil's getting richer, the roots are going deeper, you're gaining more of that living water and you're growing. The bark of a tree conserves water and protects the tree's essential living system from temperatures which are extreme and storms as well as from attacks and diseases from animals and insects. Go back to the word of God, go back to us being a tree and it's in uh, imagine yourselves with the water And a whole tree, I've got to explain, the whole tree grows at the same time. So you don't get the roots, then the trunk and the bark, and then the the branches. The tree grows as one entity. As the roots are going deep, the trunk is being formed, the bark is being built, and the branches are growing out. As a Christian, when we're digging in the word, we're going deep. We're growing ourselves up in the name of the Lord. The armor of God is wrapping itself around us for the storms that are coming, and our branches are going out, and we are spreading the word. That is our fruit. And God said that we are fruit bearers. A tree is known by its fruit. God is good. In Psalms 124, it said, But th- whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by a stream of water, which yield its fruit in seasons, and whose leaf does not wither whatever they do will prosper. You need to become a tree. You need to plant yourself in the water. You need to dig deep. When we're digging in the word and searching it out, we're drinking that living water, which makes us stronger. And the world builds our armor against the enemy's attack, causing us to branch out and share in the word of God. We're able to pass the ammunition and still praise the Lord. We're in the battle, but we're going through. Um, before you can praise him, and I, I said this a couple of weeks ago, but I want to remind you, I've taken it out of my word tonight, but the Holy Spirit asked me to put it back in. Before you can praise the Lord and pass the ammunition, but before you can praise him in your heart, you have to know that he is who he is, that he will do what he says he will do. You have to understand that the word of God, it's God-breathed, it's complete, it's final, it's an authority for faith and practice. We have to know that. That has to be in our heart. The last The The last line of the song that I was able to share with you um, last week was, uh, two weeks ago, was, Praise the Lord and Swing into Position. We have to be in a position of faith. We have to be in faith, work in the Word of God, so that we can see the manifestation of the truth of God in action. Now, the next line that came up on the song, I had to laugh when it came up because it says, You can't afford to be a politician. I said, well, God, this is going to be good, because how do you explain that one biblically? And he showed me that the politicians are voted into their position, and they are of the people, by the people, for the people. Of the people, by the people, for the people. It's a tri-piece, three-piece. The Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost three piece. And I went, wow, that's pretty cool. And when I thought about a politician and they voted in, they take this platform and they stand up there and on the news and on the radio and in the newspapers you hear, oh, we're going to fight abortion. We're going to stop the family planning, We're going to get rid of this. We're not going to allow drugs to come into our communities. And they stand on these platforms and some of them have great intent. They really believe this is what they want to do. And they get into office and then the other politicians go, mm-mm, you're not going to get that law through. That, no, that's not going to pass. So the things of the world come against what they believe and what they aim for. But then there's those politicians that get into office, and the minute they get into office, it's all about them. It's their policies, it's their philosophies, and their goals. It's all about them. And, and the Holy Spirit showed me that sometimes as Christians, God calls us, just like politicians they voted in, but God calls us. He puts us in position and he puts us in position for his glory, but for the destiny and a purpose on our life. He only sees the blessing for us. He sees the favor on us. He sees the future for us, but the politicians and the world and everybody else, we've got things that come against us. And when they come against us, we can do one or two things. We can stand firm and say, we're going to continue to fight the good fight. Or we can give up and we can start doing it in our own flesh and doing it our way. It's about us. It's all about me, 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 and me. And one of the things as I was studying, I I was looking uh, online, and one of the things that kept popping up, and I mean, over and over again when I was looking at the political side of things, is the Ten Commandments being taken out of our um, federal buildings. And when you look at that and the impact it's had on the world, there's no other gods but our God. He is the true God. And yet the world is taking other gods to themselves. They make idols out of movie stars. And this says, you shall have no idols and, and sports um, people. They take the Lord's name in vain. All you've got to do is watch a movie and you'll hear it. They don't remember the Sabbath. There's no fear of the Lord. There's no honor to the Lord. They don't honor their mother and father. You can't even correct the children. And in the households today, you hear the children cussing out the parents. You shall not murder. Well, we know the crime rate. You shall not commit adultery. That is in the church, not only in the world. You shall not bear false witness. Go back to the politicians and watch them beat each other up on stage, and they'll take a truth, they'll give it a little twist, and it'll become a lie. And you, you recognize that, you see it over and over again, and then you shall that covet. How many times have you read on the newspaper or seen on the television where some child has gone to school and they've got a brand new pair of uh, fancy shoes or they've had a brand new jacket, and they come home and somebody's beat them up to take it from them? there is so much coveting going on in the world. Who cares what the Joneses have? The Joneses can have what the Joneses have. I know what I have is from my God, and he gives me all good things coming from him. I'll take what he has for me because I know what's coming in my future. I know that he has a blessing for me every single day of my life. The fact that I get up and I can take a breath is a blessing of God. Every day I can take a step forward. I can walk. Every day I can pick something up. I have my arms in my hand. I am blessed and highly favored. I am blessed. Looking at the political side of things, I went into all these crazy scriptures, but the one that I wanted to stay with because it is about of the people, by the people, for the people, that when God calls us, no one can come to the Father unless he draws us. We know that when we can say in the name of Jesus that we have been called, because you can't say it unless you've been called. As Christians, we have to determine that we're going to live for Christ. We die to our desires and we set our plans aside in order to live for what he's called us to do. We have to choose him. We live to love him first. He has to be our first love. We live to love others he's called us to love. He is a God of love. We live to share the good news. We live to testify through our testimonies and who, testimonies, who he is in our life and what he has done for us. We shouldn't live for him in the good times and when things get a little rough, we waver and we forget who he is. We have to recognize who he is even in the storms. He's our rock and he's our foundation. You know, the, one of the expressions, and it kind of lines up with the next two lines of the song, is praise the Lord we're all between perdition and the deep blue sea. How many times you've heard somebody say I'm between the devil and the deep blue sea? You know, when the storms come, it's how we feel sometimes. And I looked up the word perdition, and in Christian theology, it's a state of eternal punishment and damnation into which a sinful and unpenitent person passes after death. Wow. I don't want to go there. And, and a lighter definition in an old-fashioned um, expression between the devil and the deep blue sea. It's being on a path of selfishness that leads to perdition. And perdition, again, is unpenitent person passing after death. And he's literally into the gates of hell. And when you look at the deep blue sea, and you think about the sea and the waves and the weather, and you've heard a lot of um, boats that get tipped over in storms. And, and, you know, years ago, they weren't as stable as they are today. And when you think about the battles that you're in and calling it your personal storm, and you think about the waves that are coming against you, you can either look to the waves and think, oh my God, I'm going under, or you can look to the skies and think, that's where my answer and my help comes from. In Isaiah 40, 26, it says, look at the night sky. Who do you think made all this? Who marches those army of stars into the night sky, counts them off, Calls them by name. They're so magnificent and never forgets a single one. I don't know if you've ever been out in the country at night and you can look up and you can see the stars. You can't see them in the city because of all the city lights. But there are billions and billions and billions and he knows everyone by name. God is good. If you've never watched the video by Louis Gigliani called How Great is Our God, I highly, highly 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 recommend it it is an amazing video and he actually is quite funny he uses a golf ball as in a comparison to the to the stars and the um, planets in the sky and I showed it once in the back with the youth and um, our youth are amazing we've got some terrific youth and I love them dearly But you know, youth, when they hear their parents coming out of the main church and they hear all the kids playing, they want out of that classroom and they want out of it fast, right? They're ready to go and ready to eat, especially if you're cooking hot dogs outside. And one night I was back there and I played the video uh, with Louis Gigliani and How Great Is Our God. And I shared with them that it was going to be a little long. And if their parents came for them, feel free to just very quietly leave the classroom and head on home or head on out. I won't be offended. And it It's okay. It's cool to go. Not one of them left the room until the lights came on. That's how impactful that is. And that is how great our God is. He used something as simple as a video to capture the hearts, the minds, and the imaginations of young children whose forethought is always about having fun and pleasure for the most part. Bless their hearts. We've all got to go through it. We've been there, done that, right? Nobody in this room can say not. Um, one of the stories that I, I went, and I took a lot of scripture out because of time's sake, but there was one in Mark 4, 38 through 40 that I couldn't take out. It's uh, Jesus was in the boat, and he was asleep. It even says in there that he had a pillow. And the uh, they woke him up, and they said, Teacher, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And I thought about this, and I thought... That's kind of shocking really when you think about it and I'm going to do it in the flesh now so I want you to know this is total flesh. I'm thinking to myself, you've just seen him feed a multitude on a couple of fish and a couple of loaves and have some left over. You've seen miracles before that. When you were in your boats fishing, which was your business and your livelihood, this man came up and said, hey, Come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. You didn't question him. They didn't ask him how much they'd get paid each week. They just laid everything down and they went with him. Something inside them told them that this was the Messiah. Something inside them told them that this was no ordinary man. Something inside them told them they needed to follow him. And yet in the boat, in the storm, they're like little chicken little. I'm thinking to myself, man, you know, wouldn't you think that they'd be sitting there going, what's he going to do? Oh, he's going to wake up in a minute. You watch. Something's going to happen. Oh, wait, wait. He's moving. He's moving. He's going to get up. Oh, man, this miracle is going to be phenomenal. You would think that they would be sitting there waiting with anticipation, looking left to right, waiting for something to happen for him to do the miraculous because he's been doing the miraculous for so long as they've walked with him. But they were afraid, and that's okay, because we're human. The flesh is emulated to everything about God, right? And so it it reminded me of when I was a little girl, and when I was afraid, I would go running into my mom and dad's bedroom, and I always stood by the side that my dad was sleeping on, and it was pitch black, and I would stare. And I would wait, because I knew, he knew I would be there. Because you know, any parent can tell you when the kids are around. We've got eyes in the back of our head on a regular day. So, in the dark, when it's pitch black and it's peaceful and quiet, those little footsteps coming down the hallway, you're already in tune to them. And eventually, he would open one eye, throw back the covers, I'd jump into bed, he'd curl himself around me, and I was safe. My father could calm my fears. They were in the boat with the Messiah, the Son of God. The storm was raging, and they were afraid. They should have anticipated Him opening His eyes, throwing back the covers, wrapping Himself around them, because the Bible says, "We're under His wing. He's our protector. He's our banner." This is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But grace, grace, grace. And He said to them, "Why do you fear? Why do you have no faith?" we need to recognize that in the flesh we can do nothing with Christ we can do all things and when we hang on to him and his word and we are anticipating and expecting for the miraculous to happen at the very least they would have got across the sea they would have got to the other side because that's where he told them to go he knew that they were going to get there. They had to believe they were going to get there and then see the manifestation. But he stood up and he said, calm, peace, be still. And it wasn't that the waves that had been overtaking the boat just suddenly calmed down. Oh, they're getting slower. They're getting slower. No, when he stood up and he said, peace, be still, they stopped. There was nothing. No noise, no wind howling, no waves crashing against the boat. Peace. God's going to call peace to your storm. Hang on. Expect, anticipate, watch and wait and see what he won't do. In uh, the, the 39th and 40th verses when he rebukes them. But he said he will never leave us nor forsake us. And that to us is our salvation. That is something that comforts us. And that's what we need to hold on to. The next couple of lines I kind of grouped together. It says, yes, the sky pilot said it. You got to give him credit for a son of a gun of a gunner was he. (laughs) Try saying that fast twice. And when I looked this up and I was reading about the chaplain and this story and what was taking place... They call the chaplain the sky pilot. Well, when you think about the heavens and where God is and where you're praying to and where you look up to for your answers, I thought that was pretty cute. But not making light of it, my first thought was, if he was a chaplain and he was close to God and he had wisdom of Christ, I don't think he would have taken the position of gunner. Because if you watch all the war movies, That's where they're shooting for. They want to take out the gunner so the gunner can stop firing, so they can be safe. But the gunner's position is one of importance. And then God showed me John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. It makes sense that a man of God would have the faith and the courage to be in a position in the battle that would support and help and protect those around him it makes sense. You got to give him credit for a son of a gun, of a gunner was he. And in the movies, when they show the gunners on the ships or the planes, they're holding on tight to those guns. There's a little ring at the end of the gun and that's where they have to look to, to aim at their target. They've got their eyes on the target and they're holding on and usually it's two hands and they've got their finger on the trigger, so to speak. That's where they press. And as those bullets come out, there is a kickback. And every time they come out, there's a kickback and they come out fast. I'm going to switch hands so I can show you with this one. I'm right-handed. And he's going... Like this. They're constantly bouncing back and forth, but they can't take their eyes off that target. Those bullets are flying out. The gun is ricocheting. They're holding on. Their muscles are tense. They've got to get tired, but they've got to keep going because they are the only thing keeping them and those on that plane from dying because that plane, that gun is going to take them down if they don't. We have to hold on tight, even though we're shaken. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus and we have to know that we are the victory. We are the victorious. In Hebrews it says in 1023, let us hold unswerving to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful, and he is the author and finisher of our faith. I was reading Joshua, and in Joshua 23:8 it says, Hold tight to God, your God, just as you have done up to now. God has driven out superpower nations before you and up to now no one has been able to stand up to you. And I love that because what he's talking about is Joshua, as he was old and dying, he was reminding the people of Israel what God had done before. God is the same today as he was yesterday. He's going to be the same tomorrow. He's going to be no different. If he has protected you up to today, he's not going to suddenly let you fall tomorrow. Stand firm. Stand firm on your faith. We have to remember the amazing things that he's done for us in the past and that he'll do them again and again and again. And I was reading some of the commentaries, and in immense commentary on Joshua 23. This stood out to me. It said, but cleave to the Lord by constant obedience, entire affection, faithful and for service and worship of him alone as ye have done to this day. He's telling us to hang on, to keep believing. Don't give up on his promises. Don't give up hope, even when we're shaking. And Philippians 4.80 says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Our victory in the battle and his glory are what we need to keep our eyes on, and his word is what we need to dwell on. Absolutely. And then the next couple of lines is shout, praise to the Lord, we're on a mighty mission. All aboard, we ain't a-going fishing. Well, obviously, they were in the battle. So they weren't looking at uh, fishing poles and uh, throwing out nets. But when you think about it, as um, Christians, when we're going through the storm, we have some of the strongest, most powerful bait you can fish with. Think about it. When we praise God in our storm and we hold on to our faith, those who are new Christians or those who are not yet Christians see firsthand how the greatest love ever holds us in place, how he gives us encouragement and we hold on to our hope, how God uses our faith and our hope to show him in all his glory, and that's how he draws the lost to him. We are there for his glorification for our destiny, for our purpose. And when those closest to us see us in faith, King's praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the peoples his deeds. You walking in victory is a testimony to the love of God and all that he has for you and anyone who seeks him. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in peace those whose minds are steadfast Because they trust in you. God is telling you, just trust in me. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. What must we do when we're in warfare? Tighten the belt of truth and you can't tighten what you don't wear. We'll all stay free, says the song. When your mind, your will and your emotions are in alignment with the word and the will of God, you have found true freedom. Freedom from sin, fear, anger, anxiety, hatred, offense. What the world throws at you will bounce off that breastplate of righteousness, which is held on by your belt of truth. Renew your mind. Stay in the word. Stay connected to the conversation God started with you when he called you into his kingdom. You answered the call because you heard him and you said, yes, God, send me. Use me. The Bible tells us that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You are the righteousness of Christ in Christ. You are the righteousness of Christ in him, and he is in you. That's who you are. When you, what is your heart telling you when you're in your battle, and what are you fighting with? God says in Philippians four thirteen that so you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, 4 through 5, It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What battle are you in and how are you fighting? Think of Gideon and his army. He had over 3,000 men and God said, you don't need them. You only need 300. And God showed up. And showed out. God has written us a love letter. He set us on a journey. He's given us a roadmap to our destination. He's given us the instructions and a survival guide. He's given us the tools to use along the way and a promise that He's going to travel with us. We cannot be conformed to this world, but we must trans- be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Get into the Word of God, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Psalms 19, 7 through 11, is amazing. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. And the fear of the Lord is clean enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter than honey, the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Praise God. In Hebrews 4:12, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, pierced to the division of the soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God is good. He's with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He is our strength. He is our wisdom. He is our protector, our banner, he's our lover, he's our friend. And we could not ask for anything more. There's nothing else we need. I want to pray real quick with you, and then we'll, we'll pray and offer the prayer of salvation. But I, God gave me this prayer, and it's scripture after scripture. It's Second Thessalonians, Psalms 55, Psalms 46, Ephesians 6, Isaiah 33, Psalms 23, Isaiah 40, Psalms 119, and Isaiah 41. It sounds like I'm going to be here for a week, but I promise you, God knows how to, how to pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for those who are listening right now, that you are gracious towards them and that they long for you. Be their strength every morning, their salvation in times of distress, that you, the Lord of peace, give peace at all times and in every way. That as they cast their cares upon you, Lord, that you will sustain them as they hold on to your promise that you will not let the righteous be forsaken. Even those who are walking through their darkest valley, they will fear no evil, for you are with them. You will never leave them nor forsake them, for you are their helper. You are their refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. Those who grow weary, Lord, right now, you will renew their strength and increase their power through your promises and your word, that they will stand strong in you, Lord, and in your mighty power. Let them rest in your promise, knowing that you have and know the plans for them, that your plan is to prosper them and not to harm them and to give them a hope and a future. Let them rest in you without fear and not be dismayed. For knowing you as their God, you will uphold them in your righteous right hand. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. So I hope you've enjoyed that word tonight. I try to... Get through it, man. I didn't have to pull a bishop and go like an auctioneer. But I want to pray real quick. And I I just want us to all bow our heads and pray this together. Um, And anybody in here who has never given their life to Jesus Christ, this is your opportunity to tell him that, yes, send me, Lord. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Change me be the Lord of my life, be the light unto my path. I surrender and submit to you becoming a living sacrifice to do your will. In Jesus' name. If you have said that prayer for the first time, with the head still bowed, please raise your hand just so that I can acknowledge that you've given your life. Thank you. Thank you for that hand. Thank you. Praise God. Well, if you are new to faith and you do not have a Bible, our wonderful leader here, Ed, has got Bibles for you. Come on down. If you need prayer, our elders will be here at the front to pray over any of your needs. And if you've never filled out a connection card for us, just fill this out and then turn it into the guest services outside. We're not going to bother you or bug you. We're not going to show up on your doorstep, but we're going to let you know about all the wonderful events we have here and what God is doing in this house so you can join us. And if you haven't got a church home, we say thank you. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful evening. Be safe and God's love with you always. Thank Thank you.